grateful to join with you uh, today, those of you here, those of you joining us online. Uh, grateful we can continue in our series called Building Blocks. We're talking about those fundamental uh, truths, realities that build one upon another to help us understand uh, who are we, who is God, what is life all about. Last week, our lead pastor, Bill Beavers, uh, started this whole series talking about absolute truth, that, that truth is not relative, but there comes a point where you can draw a line in the sand and what is true is true. And we talked about just some of the reasons. There's multiple, multiple reasons you can research this. It's easy to find of why the Bible is a reliable source of truth. That of all the options, it's not a huge leap of faith to believe in the reliability of Scripture, but it's the most reasonable conclusion that the Bible is truth. Next week, we're going to talk about good and evil. How do we understand uh, the brokenness of the world? What is goodness? Where does goodness come from? We're going to wrap up this series talking about the historical event of the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. But today, I want to focus in on this huge building block about creation. Now I wanna give you right up front uh, the goal that I have for this message. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, I've got one of two goals for you. Uh, if you're here today or you're watching online or somebody sent you this video uh, and you are following Jesus and you're pursuing him in your life and you know that he's pursuing you and you just are struggling to try to figure out how to follow God, what I want out of today is for us to just leave or to shut our computer off or whatever it is and just be in awe of God. And just realize how amazing, how incredible, how great our God is and take one more step of surrender, of worship, of obedience toward Him as we realize how amazing our Creator is. But if you're here today or you're watching online or somebody sent you this message and you're watching and you're not sure about Jesus's place in your life or, or what you think about him or, or what he might mean for you, what my goal is is that you would just be open to the possibility of the evidence that we have a creator who brought everything into being and created you with a purpose and has a plan for your life. What do you lose just by being open to the possibility of what could be? All right, it was 1916. A guy most of us have heard of, a guy named Albert Einstein, came upon uh, some evidence as he was observing the universe and he was working through his mathematical equations and he came upon some evidence and he created what's come to be known as the theory of relativity. Now, I, my goal is not to give you a physics lesson or a science lesson this morning, but just th at the very basic level, the theory of relativity says that time, space, and matter, which are the basic building blocks of life, must all exist at the same time. In other words, you cannot have uh, matter, any kind of thing that exists before it has a space to exist and time to exist in. You can't take time and separate it and have time without space and matter. All three have to coexist, have to come together conjunctly. They have to be at the same moment. You have to have all three together. And as Albert Einstein played this, the, the implications of this out, he realized reluctantly 
that there had to be a beginning of the universe. Now, he came to believe this reluctantly because Albert Einstein wanted to believe that the universe was eternal. He wanted to believe that it had no beginning, it had no end, but it was just forever and ever. But the evidence before him showed him there had to be the uh, beginning to everything that exists. And he struggled with it so much, as a matter of fact, he created a mathematical uh, factor that, he, that came to be known as the fudge factor, where he tried to... to play the evidence based on his bias to show that, that perhaps there wasn't a beginning of the universe. But, but he came to discover that the fudge factor wasn't true. And two times after him, at least two times after him, by different scientists, they came to prove that it had to be that the universe had a beginning. Now, the only problem they had was that if the theory of relativity were true, that time, space, and matter have to all coexist together, you can't separate them from one another, then they, they decided that, you know what, the, the universe, if it had a beginning that just, it, it came to being all at once, it should be growing, it should be expanding, but we can't find the evidence of this expanding universe until 1927, a guy, most of us, you don't even know you've heard of him, but we've heard of him, a guy named Edwin Hubble, right, the Hubble telescope, he discovered something called red shift. Now, let me show you a quick picture here. And you see we've got one of those, what looks to be a star is circled and you got numbers all over the screen. As you look at all those different lights, almost all of them, they're yellow in the center and then they begin to change the shade, their hue of color as you go out from there. Uh, Hubble and other scientists have called that red shift. What that is, is evidence that the universe is not static and still, but it is in motion because it's growing, it's expanding. And that expansion, that motion changes the visible, uh, the light cue that we see changing color, changing shape. It's called red shift. Now, all you need to know is that they've been able to prove that the universe had a beginning and it's expanding. Now, what does all of this mean for us? Because you most likely don't get as excited about all of this, this science and, and physics and, and astronomy and all this stuff that I, I get excited about. And so you're wondering, oh my goodness, how am I going to get through this? What does this mean for me? Three basic things. The universe has a beginning. The universe is expanding. And the universe, if it had a beginning, had to have had a catalyst. Now, scientists have been trying to make sense of this for 104 years. What does it mean that the universe has a beginning, that the universe has a catalyst? And what they're beginning to, to discover is what the Bible has been teaching us for thousands of years. That yes, the universe had a beginning and yes, the universe has a catalyst and that catalyst by definition does not stand under the realm of time, space and matter, but it is greater and it is bigger and it is beyond. And they're discovering what is laid out from us in the very beginning of scripture in Genesis chapter one. So we're gonna go there together. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter one, we're gonna look at the first five verses. It reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. A couple of truths, a couple of realities, a couple of implications that this has for us, not just in some theoretical way, but in the way we approach life, the way we approach God. One of those implications is that existence itself points to eternity. Existence points to eternity. Every single one of us, everybody here, everybody watching online, if you're checking this message out later, we have this longing inside of us for something bigger, something greater than what we see around us, something bigger than what we can accomplish in life. We wanna be a part of something that is beyond us. Where does that come from? This longing for something more, this longing for eternity is tied into the very nature of the universe that God has created. Now let's look at this. If you want to find the, the big idea of Genesis chapter 1, it's right there in verse, verse 1. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning. Meaning there was a start. There was a beginning. There was a point before the beginning that there was nothing. There, there wasn't anything. There was no time. There was no space. There was no existence of any life or any matter or anything whatsoever. There literally was a beginning. In my, years ago in my systematic theology class, they taught us this Latin phrase, ec nihilo, right? Ec nihilo, you can go and press your friends now. Like you, know, you know this phrase, ec nihilo, it means from nothing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Something came from nothing. Something came from nothing. Let's wrap our minds around this, that, that the reality is, is that God did not just take the building blocks and put them together, but he didn't just take the pieces and put them together. God created the pieces. God brought it all into being. And before that, there was no existence whatsoever. And God, he brought it, everything into being. Now for something to have a beginning, it has to have a catalyst. And by definition, if a catalyst is going to be the beginning of something, that catalyst has to be bigger and greater and beyond whatever it creates. By definition, the God that we serve, who brought all things to, into being, is beyond time, beyond space, beyond our existence. In other words, God is forever. So the very fact that I can look at anything existing whatsoever is pointing to eternity, is pointing to forever. Or let's just sum it up this way. We serve a forever God who's created you for forever things. That's where that longing desire comes from. A forever God has created us for forever things. Existence points to eternity. In addition to that, creation points to a creator. The primary purpose of Genesis chapter 1 as we walk through all the ways that God brings creation into being is not necessarily how, although we get a description of how God orders all things, but the primary purpose of Genesis chapter 1 is who? Who brings all things? It, the, the, the two words of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, God created, is the foundation of everything else that happens in Scripture. 
more, much more than just the, the book of Genesis, but the whole story of God begins right there. God created. That the creation is pointing us to the creator. To, to know not just that God did create, but we begin to understand uh, who the creator is. And, and it gives us three elements of who our creator is and what he's doing right there in the first five verses. Uh, one of the things that it teaches us is that God created. He spoke it. It said, God said, let there be light. In other words, from God's imagination came everything that is. And in his power and in his authority, which there is no authority above his, in his authority, he brought it all into being. God created. A second thing is that God shaped a formless existence. Verse 2 says, there was a, a darkness over the, the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over it. And then it says, right after that, in the midst of the darkness, which so much of the time represents chaos and unrest, in the midst of the darkness, what does God do first? It says, God said, let there be light. God is not a God of chaos or disorder. He is a God who brings order to his creation. And number three, and this is probably the most important, as he creates light, he calls it day and night, as he separates them from one another, he says, it is good. Six times through Genesis chapter one, God is going to say after each day of creation, it is good. As a matter of fact, he gets to the culmination of his creation. He brings human life into being and he says it is very good. That the creation that the creator brings into being is to be enjoyed, is to be a gift, it is to be pleasant, it is to be all things good. Why? Because the creator is all things good. Now we're going to talk next week about how do we make sense of the brokenness and the sin in our world. But just to understand for today that the intention that God had for you and me was to experience his goodness. And all the things that we see and look around are evidence of the character and the nature of our creator, our God, who gives of his love to us. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Nature and life point us to God. Everything around us, life itself is pointing us to who God is, to what he wants to do in our lives. And you can see it in all kinds of different ways. We can see the love of God. If God stands outside of his creation, that means God's not incomplete without it. God didn't, he wasn't just walking around one day and be like, you know what, I'm just feeling really down and, and I'm just missing something in my life, so I'm gonna create the universe. No, God had everything that God needed within himself. So why does he create? Out of love, to give, to, to pour out his grace and his love to you and me and to the universe itself. We see his, his glory. If you look at the greatness, the expanse of not just the earth, but the universe or, or the complexity of life, you see the glory and the greatness of God in every single place. We see God's order that the universe is not chaotic, that we do have mathematics and we do have physics and we can observe and we can study and we can begin to understand and grow intellectually and emotionally to understand what life is and how it works and who we are so that we can begin to understand a little bit more about who this God is that pursues us and we can see his goodness in the beauty and the majesty of life. God's goodness is pouring through. Let me give you some examples. 
Uh, not just to think about it theoretically, but, but how do we see the character, the, the goodness of God in the world? Uh, take this picture, for instance. This is a picture of the universe, uh, what looks to be stars. But if you were to uh, go closer in to this image and, and pan in, you would begin to see that many of these stars are, in fact, not just a single star, but entire galaxies. And if you continue to close in, you would begin to see uh, the Milky Way galaxy. And if you continue to go in, uh, you would realize that the Milky Way galaxy itself spans thousands and thousands and thousands of light years apart. And then you would begin to see this tiny little speck called Earth that you and I reside on. And as you begin to let your mind go there and just ponder the greatness of that, not just that it's just that big, but it continues to grow and expand. You begin to get this feeling of how great our God is. Or here's another example. A couple of pictures here side by side. Uh, on one side, that's a picture, if you can't tell, of a blue whale. The blue whale is the largest known animal on earth. Weighs thousands of pounds, rules the oceans, you know, just this massive, glorious beast. On the other side of the screen is the smallest known vertebrate on planet Earth. A tiny little frog, you can find it in Papua New Guinea, so small that at full growth you can sit it on a dime. And so out of God's imagination, this wondrous beast that rules the ocean and a tiny little creature that you could fit on the end of your pinky residing on this planet Earth together and everything in between of every color and every shade uh, of every ecosystem. Just the beauty and the, the, the diversity of God's creation should blow us away. Or here's another example. Several years back, there was a guy named Francis Collins. He has since written a book uh, called The Language of God. But years ago, he started a project called the Human Genome Project. I don't know if you've heard of this. Uh, any science buffs, you may have, have heard of this before. But, but the purpose of the Human Genome Project, according to Francis Collins, when he began it, was to prove that God did not exist. But as he observed and as he studied and as he did research, not only did he not find the evidence that God does not exist, but he came to be a believer in Jesus Christ because the evidence was so overwhelming that the God of the Bible was the most reasonable options of all options available to us. Walking through the genetic code, you, you can go research this, you can find out more about it, but just, just to understand, uh, that, that when we really look and search, we will find the God of truth. Or one more example. One of the things I love about God in my personal life, and you've probably experienced this as well, is so much of the time when we're looking for encouragement or we're looking for that next step that we need to take and we're just looking for God and we're struggling, God will give us an encouragement that only God could create. You, you've probably got those moments in your life where God just shows you exactly who he is. He does it in science as well, where he just wants to, you know, he just shows off and he just says, you know, I want you to see who I am and I want you to see how great I am. Well, scientists several years ago found a microprotein called laminin. I'm going to show you a picture of it. 
Uh, this is a schematic of it. You can Google this and find actual uh, pictures of laminin. But I want you to notice the shape. It's the shape of a cross. Now, what is laminin? Laminin is quite literally the glue that holds every cell together in your body. It is the glue that holds your existence together. It's almost as if to say, just because you can. Just to show off, just to remind us of how God holds everything together. To remind us, you know what, I had a purpose and a plan for your life and every life, and I sent my son Jesus to give his life for your life on the cross. And through him, scripture tells us, through him, all things come into being. And for him, all things exist. But God has a plan and a purpose that creation is pointing to a creator. But most of all, what I want us to see this morning is that greatness points to glory. Greatness points to glory. That as we explore this, as we talk about this, that it's not just to, to either bore you or get you excited or to just give you evidence, but really there's a destination to this conversation about creation and a creator. And that destination is to get us moving somewhere, which ultimately is in submission and praise to God. If you're taking notes, one final note, I want you to write this down. Greatness of creation moves me to praise and surrender. Praise and surrender. All of creation is praising God. The entire universe is praising God. One last picture, check this out. All of the universe acknowledges the greatness, the glory of God. The stars in the sky are, are vibrating and rotating in such a way that they are literally creating a drum beat that is going through space, through the universe, reverberating out. Uh, the, the whales in the ocean are singing their songs in praise to the one who gave them life. The oceans are roaring their praise to God. Even the rocks are, are vibrating at a frequency that our ears can't hear. But day by day, second by second, moment by moment are creating an orchestra of sound reverberating through creation. Jesus said, if the children do not praise me, the rocks will cry out. Well, quite literally, the rocks are crying out praises to God. We sang the song, so will I. If the universe is praising God, so will I. Will, will you? Will you join? I told you at the very beginning, my goal is just that we would, we would leave this experience today in awe of who God is, or that we would might just, I can't lay all the evidence out for you, but would you just be stirred if you're not sure about the place of God in your life, stirred to just pursue it and be open to the possibility that there's a God who created you and has a purpose for your life. Why did God create? Why did God bring this universe into being? Because he wanted to pour out every ounce of his love into you onto you, for you. Genesis chapter one, six times God says, let there be. He creates the light, he creates the heavens, he creates the, the oceans, he creates the land, he creates the birds and the fish and the animals. Ultimately, he creates humankind. Time after time after time, speaking it through his word into existence. 
John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning, reminding us of this, this phrase, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. All things came into being through Him and for Him. Why did God create the heavens and the earth? God created so that in this moment, in this life, in your existence, He could pour out the love of Jesus Christ into you. Knowing all that it would cost Him, God laid the foundations of the earth so that He could give sacrificially, give His Son Jesus Christ to be for us what we could not be. God created to pour His love into your life, His grace into your life, His mercy into your life. How much more can we just come with open hands saying, God, I worship you. God, I'm in all of you. God, I surrender to you. So wherever you're at in this journey, whether you're just trying to figure this out or you're trying to take your next step of faith, I wanna encourage us with just three steps today. Would we acknowledge him? God, you are God and I am not. You are awesome. You are amazing. I praise, I worship you. Would I acknowledge you? Would we surrender to him? God, my life is yours because it belongs to you. You created it and you bought it with a price. It is yours. And would we pursue him as he pursues us? God, I wanna be faithful. I wanna be obedient because ultimately, God, you are sovereign. You are in control. Oh my goodness, even in the midst of COVID-19 and political unrest and racial division and we don't know if our kids are even going back to school, God. <laughs> and I could keep the list going and going and going. Even in the midst of all this, you are God and you are good. You're the same God from the first moment of time said, let there be. And you're the same God that one day will create a new heaven and a new earth. I will trust you. Would you acknowledge him? Would you surrender to him? Would you pursue him? Who knows what God might have for us? As we close out each and every week, these altar rails are available. If you'd like to come pray, just maybe just praise, maybe ask God to speak uh, over you. You can pray in your seats. There's, there's, you know, you don't have to come up here if you don't want to right now. You guys at home, encourage you, just give an act of praise, give an act of prayer, surrender right there where you are and, and just ask God to speak into your heart. Who knows what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Uh, but as we lead into that time, I wanna pray over us. So if you're here, if you'll stand. The things that hold us back from the truth of God is very rarely the evidence before us, but it is the spiritual walls, the spiritual strongholds that hold us back from not only observing, but receiving the truth. So I just wanna pray for those walls to come down, pray that our hearts and minds would be open, pray that the Holy Spirit would stir in our hearts to praise Him, to surrender Him, to follow Him. So let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Oh God, you are the God of creation, the God of the universe who created in love and for love. God, you are sovereign, you are in control. We confess our fears. We confess our greediness, our selfishness, our brokenness. We confess that we do not measure up to the greatness and the glory of who you are. And we pray that you would forgive us, Lord. Fill us with faith that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. Send your Holy Spirit 
Spirit upon us, Lord. Fill us with faith and courage and truth and grace and mercy. Fill us with godliness, Lord, that we can be a light in this dark world. God, light up the darkness in us. Free us from those things that hold us back. Let us acknowledge and observe and receive your truth for what it is, Lord, to see the evidence of you all around us so that we can worship you, God that we can rest in your glory because you ultimately are everything and everything comes from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.